the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back into the Bruce Hooley Show. Jack Windsor here, filling in for the Bruce Hooley. And grateful to be along with you today. And grateful to invite in our next guest. Uh, he is AFP Ohio State Director Donovan O'Neill. And uh, we're going to unpack some things with Donovan. Uh, Mr. O'Neill, welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show. How are you this afternoon, sir? Jack, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you. Before I start... Uh, tell our listeners what AFP Ohio is so they have a little bit of context. Yeah, Americans for Prosperity, and our chapter here in Ohio is one of the nation's largest grassroots advocacy organizations. I like to say we put a megaphone to the voices of Ohioans and Americans who are frustrated with the direction of our country and want to see us get back to the foundational principles as articulated in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution that made our country so great. Yeah, things that the left would say we should ignore because they're inherently racist, right? <laughs> I know we the ahead. left and some of our friends on the right from time to time, as I think maybe we'll talk about here, but that's what we do. So uh, we're going to talk about a piece of legislation. And, and the first thing that I'm going to say, right, I'm, I'm a guy who probably drives some of the listeners crazy. I go in, in the weeds. I, I get a lot of inside baseball, but I just don't think you can let people pass go and collect $200 all the time. And, and here's what I mean by that. I want to talk about uh, with you House Bill 205. Now, it's called Enact High Hazard Training Certification. Now, you, you read that and you go, well, that kind of makes sense. High hazard training. That's important. We want trained people in hazardous situations. Uh, but, you know, just like the left, they name bills things that they want you to think they are. Uh, is, is that is that title in itself a misnomer? Let's start there. We think it's a misnomer. Uh, we would actually call this legislation the Enact Higher Energy Costs Act. It's a, because what this legislation is at its core is it is the government telling private business, in this case, Ohio's four oil and gas refineries in the state, uh, who they may or may not hire, putting requirements and regulations on who they may or may not hire. Uh, a similar tactic that was employed in states like Minnesota uh, and California uh, to a disastrous effect, and they're bringing this play here to a red state like Ohio, seeking that if they can break this wall, if they can break through and pass legislation like this in a in a, in a Republican supermajority state like Ohio, that they can then they can accomplish this legislation in other places. Uh, it's a direct play out of the Bidenomics playbook that favors green energy cronyism and government regulation to damage a traditional fossil fuel production in the United States. So I'll, I'll take a swipe here uh, because you may not want to, but I, I personally, I like DJ Swearingen. I know him. I've met him. Nice guy. 
Uh, but he, he's part of what we call the, the blue 22, the Republicans who turned their back on the caucus and put Jason Stevens in charge, which a lot of people think was done because Jason Stevens is more uh, malleable and able to let the Democrats get what they can get, which they wouldn't have had if they had a strong Republican leader in the House. And then I look at the people who signed on to this bill. Now, there are some people who would be considered Repub- conservative Republicans, but there are a lot of Democrats <laughs> and there are a lot of members of what we would call the blue 22, the two, 22 Republicans that turned their back on the caucus. So what you're saying with me resonates, I guess, uh, from from that vantage point. But I, so listen, I'm going to point to another another red herring here that I think is a distraction. I'm looking at the bill. And uh, one of the first things that the summary lists is that uh, it, it, individuals have to demonstrate a proficiency in English and and meet specific training requirements. Now, that to me is throwing some red meat to the red meat loving Republicans and going, see, see, we, we want workers that speak English. Is that a, is that a red herring to you? What, what do you make of that? Jack, you're seeing right through the charade there. You know, at first, this legislation, because this, this legislation existed last session as House Bill 235, uh, and it fortunately for Ohioans was unable to achieve the, the sort of informal caucus rule that exists in the Republican uh, House, that you have to get 50 members of the caucus to agree uh, to support a piece of legislation before it will be brought to the floor, right? It helps, it helps make sure that, you know, the majority party that was elected by the voters to, to uh, enact legislation, it has some cohesiveness uh, before legislation goes to the floor. And you don't have some of this silliness where you have the other party uh, in the minority weighing in on uh, unduly on legislation. It was unable to achieve that 50-vote threshold last session. Um, unfortunately, Speaker Stevens doesn't hold that same rule, and that's how we are in the situation we are in today. But when it comes to the English language rule, and why I kind of share that background there, is this legislation started out as a safety bill, that we need to have safety at our oil and gas refineries, and that this, this, this is about protecting American workers. But that only puts together a strong enough coalition of folks who can kind of find their way to say, yeah, government should be involved. That's a, that's a good enough argument, even though there's not enough material there to back that up. So when that didn't work, the proponents of this legislation said, well, we also need to make sure we're stamping out illegal immigration. We've got a crisis at our border. We need to make sure we don't have illegal immigrants working on our critical energy infrastructure. When the opponents of the bill, the oil and gas industry, showed the 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 stringent requirements they put into place with anybody they contract to do business with, because the oil and gas industry is part of the, um, the national defense infrastructure, there are a ton of requirements that go into place to make sure that the people who are working on those aren't um, threats to our domestic energy production. So when that was disproven, they then cobbled in this piece about the English language requirement that was you know, to bring in the last handful of votes they needed to give folks cover. But, Jack, when, when we were talking to members in the House about this bill, that's all they thought it was about. And when we began to educate them um, about that and connect them to, no, this is just one more thing they're trying to add in that really has no enforcement, has no relevance um, to, the, to the issue at hand, um, that's what this tactic is about. It was about adding enough to cobble together a coalition of all Democrats and a handful of Republicans who could, again, um, sort of violate the will of the people and ram through a piece of legislation within two weeks to send it over to the Senate where it sits today. So the English language uh, and, and embarrassing that they tried to make it a human trafficking issue, right? Illegal immigrants sure. are being trafficked over and this is why this can protect against that. And then it's a safety issue. And so you disprove all of those red herring straw man arguments. And then you're left with the crux 
of the bill. Now, uh, we've got about two minutes here. I'm going to say something and shut up and let you explain to our listeners why it's important that they understand the crux of this bill. Not everyone has read what you and I have have read, okay? I, I understand the supply and demand of government regulation, and it's dangerous because the people who want the government regulation often lie because there's an advantage to them and it, and it involves power and money. Um, but explain to our listeners now the crux of this bill and why it's a bad idea. Well, it's a bad idea because um, at a time when, when adult, the D.C. dysfunction in Washington and then this, the administration under President Joe Biden – are doing everything they can to erode American energy dominance, um, at, at bringing pain at the pump, pain at your, your energy uh, bills at home. This sort of legislation comes in and is a bulwark and helps bolster that agenda, that Bidenomics agenda. Uh, it's bad for Ohio. It's a, it's a massive government intrusion into the private sector. The reason organizations like the Business Roundtable, NFIB, Chamber of Commerce, are part of this larger coalition of energy producers, business leaders, and policy think tank advocacy groups like ours is because they see that once the camel gets its nose under the tent on this, and it it seems like it's okay for government to be involved in picking what a private industry as important as our oil and gas infrastructure has for employees, that it can take that that recipe for success and move it to other places. Stopping this legislation is stopping that rise of Bidenomics and progressivism in our state Unfortunately, too many Republicans were complicit in making that happen, and we're taking our case to the Senate and hopefully holding the line there in the Energy and Public Utilities Committee uh, where we had a hearing yesterday. So we've got about 30 seconds. What I'm hearing is that this bill, if passed, would increase energy costs for Ohioans and likely jeopardize worker safety. About 15 seconds. Do you think this gets out of the Senate and on the floor there for a vote? I don't think it, well, we're hopeful that it doesn't get out of the Senate, but we, sh- we, we need to make sure folks are contacting their state senator and letting them know that you oppose House Bill 205. Excellent. Uh, Donovan O'Neill, he's state director for Americans for Prosperity Ohio, and uh, he just unpacked a lot, and it's valuable stuff. So, uh, Donovan, thanks for joining us, and I'm sure we'll have you back soon, okay? Absolutely. Talk to you soon. All right. Hey, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, guess what? We've got one more segment, and we're going to end it with Dr. Jeffrey Heyman from Cedarville University. We're going to talk economics, Bidenomics next. You know, part part of the the Bidenomics plan isn't just federal. You know, there are Democrats and activists, even in the Republican parties throughout the country. And we just talked about House Bill 205, which is is titled Enact Higher Hazard Training Certification. And what it really does is is it erodes America's energy dominance. It increases prices. And so those are the things that uh, don't often get talked about. But one of the things that does get talked about is the consumer price index. Uh, And investors seem to love the inflation report yesterday. Uh, According to CPI data, inflation is at about 3.2 percent. I believe the Fed target is about 2 percent. And I'll tell you what the Wall Street Journal said after I bring in Dr. Jeffrey Heyman. He's Dean of Robert W. Plaster School of Business and Professor of Economics at Cedarville University. Dr. Hammond, welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show. <laughs> Hammond, not Hammond. Dr. Hammond, welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show. How are you this afternoon, sir? Doing well. Glad to be with you all. Hey, absolutely. Always a pleasure to have you. The Wall Street Journal said that the figures reassured investors that the Federal Reserve is likely done raising interest rates 
And um, the the Treasury had one of their biggest one-day rallies of the year, and many traders ramped up bets on rate cuts. Tech stocks, which have been roiled by higher interest rates, jumped. So a couple of questions I'm going to ask. The first one is, what do you make of the reaction in the markets responding to lower-than-expected uh, CPI numbers? Well, I mean, I think it's it's clear that uh, the the fact that the Federal Reserve may not have to go further is something that's a relief to investors, and and I think it's actually good. I think for the economy, I don't think they need to raise interest rates anymore because I think kind of the the continuing inflation increases we are seeing are kind of lagged effects from the previous monetary binge that they went on uh, because money supply has been shrinking for over a year now, and so. I think if they kind of hold steady, things would be okay. So the markets are really happy that that's going to happen. Uh, I, I think they're too exuberant because there's a whole bunch of other headwinds that they're that I think are, are were incorrectly uh, pricing in. But you know that's what makes a market. They're they're bulls and they're bears. Some of us like myself are maybe more bearish, but clearly there's some that want to think things more possibly. I'm going to throw you a fastball right down the middle mm-hmm. because I can hear it. Right, uh, Joe Biden is is going to lay out a plan for his economic strategy in the Asia-Pacific. And I, I, I'm certain we're going to hear from Corinne Jean-Pierre in days ahead about how Bidenomics is working. Uh, can, can we take that bridge? Are we able to say Bidenomics is working, see? Well, you know, they can say that all along. And, and let's be clear, the president and his administration have tried to convince us that the economy is doing great. They have yet to acknowledge that there's any problem. And I think that's just decreased their credibility. Uh, but one of the, uh, the free market economists' really big fears is something called rational ignorance, where basically people don't pay attention to what's going on. But the one area where it really gets people's attention is when they go into the store and have to pay higher prices. You can't spin that away. And so people, uh, that, that's really the, the biggest thing that still is is a, really a peril for the uh, Biden administration for their reelection hopes is real income is down. Uh, by some estimates, it's, it's down around 3% since the last peak, you know, before COVID really got us down in the dumps, but uh, like about 2% with President Biden since he's been in office. You know, and you think about it, real income should be rising every year with productivity gains. So this is a massive cut. People are still finding things that are higher. Uh, and that, that's really painful. And so I think that they're not going to be able to spend this. Uh, well, I, I, I can give you a real world example. My wife went to Sam's Club and came back Sunday. And I said, do you need help bringing the other stuff in? She's like, that's all we got. I said, what? They said we spent 200 bucks. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's staggering what you get for a dollar today. And I think that is a real issue. One of the things that you said, though, is there, the markets might be too exuberant right now. What are some of the other headwinds that you think uh, people who want to be rational and, and uh, not ignorant need to take a look at? Uh, yeah, so, so I, got, I got a list if, if you want some. Yes. So consumer spending is down, right? Credit card debt is up. Commercial real estate is going to be an absolute nightmare over the next year and a half unless interest rates drop fast and much, much lower. Because as they have to refinance the investments they made like uh, two years ago and three years ago when, when interest rates were, were much, much lower, most of these projects are not going to be remunerative. They're going to hand the keys back to the banking system. And so, so that's a real issue. Home sales are, are still down because nobody can afford the mortgages. We got China. People talk about, you know, it's one of the laments I have is everybody wants to start imitating China. 
and and do things like they're doing, well, they're an absolute disaster because of their policies. And and so that has has an effect. Japan has mismanaged their currency even worse than we have. And so that's an issue for them. Uh, labor costs are going up, right? We may cheer the fact that the uh, union workers for the auto workers are going to get paid more, but that means you and I are going to have to pay higher prices on automobiles. And then the Fed is still shrinking the money supply. Independent of the interest rate, the money stock is shrinking. So these, these are all a bunch of headwinds that are out there that are negative. And, and things in lower supply are always in higher demand, right? So when the money supply goes down, that creates – does that create inflationary pressure? Is that what I'm hearing? No, no, no when it, it's actually deflationary. Deflationary, That's why it's okay. a monetary headwind. Okay. Beyond the interest rate, the amount of money that they're putting in the system after they're gorging on adding $5 trillion to their balance sheet, they've already taken a trillion dollars off, and they're continuing. I don't know when they're going to stop. So uh, credit card spending is up. Consumer spending is down. Commercial real estate market is a nightmare. Home sales are down. And China, I mean, you know, th- we think we would have learned after the Soviet Union that a planned economy fails. China's a failure. J- Japan has mismanaged their currency. Labor costs are up. The money supply is tightening. Uh, how do you fix this mess, Dr. Heyman? If you were – if let's say Donald Trump or, or somebody else that's on the Republican side of the aisle gets in the White House and they say, hey, we're going to bring uh, Dr. Jeffrey Heyman in and he's going to be our economic <laughs> advisor. What do you tell him? Well, I'll, I'll quote another uh, economist that I, I love, uh, Russ Roberts. If, if I was ever put in that position, would I do the right thing? No, I'd become a politician and I'd probably do stupid stuff too. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, if, if I could stay outside here and just uh, pontificate for a moment. I think it's it's really not that hard to, to to get things right at this point. The Federal Reserve should just stop. Uh, they 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 don't need to shrink their money supply any further. Just let the the bonds roll off. Don't be stimulated. My real fear here's my real fear. My fear is they're going to keep these things higher, keep shrinking, and when this commercial real estate, some of these other things kind of crash, then they're going to lower and take us back down to zero. We need to stop with a zero. We need to stop with a 5%. If we could get to a normal interest rate regime of short-term interest rates, 2 to 3%, long-term, about 4 to 5%, and just get back to a normal monetary world, that would be immensely helpful. And then the other thing we need to do on, on the fiscal side is, is we have this massive, massive debt that's ongoing. Yep. Uh, and and so, so that alone is going to keep these interest rates higher than otherwise would be. Many of the observers are wondering, how are they possibly going to be able to fund all these treasury auctions, as we hit a $2 trillion uh, deficit effectively uh, this past year, there's some shenanigans on how they book kept it. Yep. But suffice it to say that that's going to keep interest rates higher than otherwise would be. And so I, I suspect we will not hear uh, Mr. Biden talk about how he brought the deficit down anymore since he just had a $2 trillion increase. Dr. Jeffrey Heyman. Breaking it down for us like no one other. Uh, he's Dean Robert W. Plaster School, a business professor of economics at Cedarville University, and he's a dear friend of the Bruce Woolley Show. Uh, Dr. Hammond, thank you for joining us again today and uh, educating us. Here. Yeah, we appreciate you, man, and we'll have you back soon, okay? Thank you. You're very welcome. Hey, and thank you for listening to the Bruce Woolley Show. It's hard to believe we're around third, heading home. Uh, Wednesday is uh, almost in the books, and uh, we have. Dr. Glenn Dewar will be here tomorrow, also from Cedarville University. We're going to talk about Israel and Ukraine. Uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose uh, later in the week, Congressman Warren Davidson, and we're working on Congressman Jim Jordan. So, hey, uh, tomorrow, 11 o'clock, be right here at 98.9 FM. The Answer, Jack Windsor filling in for Bruce Hooley on The Bruce Hooley Show.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.